This is the I Work For Him podcast. To make sure you never miss a thing from I Work For Him, subscribe to our email list. Just head to our website at iworkforhim.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page, click subscribe, and sign up. We'll send the very latest blogs and podcasts from I Work For Him so you never miss a beat. That's iworkforhim.com. This is producer Michael Marigle. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get to today's program. And on Tuesdays, we call it together on Tuesdays with Jim and Martha right here and I work for him as we tackle your marriage, your relationship issues. Really, we just take Martha and I have a free for all today. This is a free for all together on Tuesdays. Yes, it is. Just you and me. Just just you and just I. Just the two of us. Da, 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 and everybody da, da, that's da. listening. So that's right. Remember that. You, me, and <laughs> a few thousand other people listening to the show. So you know, thank you for joining us today. <laughs> You know, we, uh, it, it, one of the things, we love it when we get an opportunity to share some things from our heart with you guys. And we're kind of in that, you know, it's the, it's the third Tuesday in January. We're kind of in one of those, not a lot of incredibly, no, that's not even true. Incredible things are happening all around on the radio, in the radio world. And incredible things are happening in our lives. And we just wanted to share from our own hearts. But we got a, like a laundry list of things we're going to talk about today. We do. And I, it's funny because I heard this morning, I'm trying to remember where I was listening to it or if it was one of the blogs that I read in the morning, but it was about how are you doing on your uh, New Year's resolution kind of a question. They're like, okay, you're three weeks in. How's it going, everybody? Did you do a New Year's resolution? No. Me neither. I do. Maybe have that's intent- our problem. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. We need to go back and I do was a thinking there's some things I would like to resolve to eliminate. Oh. You would like to resolve. I would like to resolve to potentially commit, maybe. Oh, don't even go there. I, I would like to. <laughs> this is a time of year I would love to go out on a bike ride. Okay. But the air oh. is like cloudy with pollen. So you want new lungs. Is that what I you're do. saying? I do. I would like you new lungs. You want to resolve the problem of having Yes, that is a fantastic allergic conclusion. Lungs. I would like to have the medical research on the impact of, I don't know, eliminating Mountain Dew from my body. Hmm. And would it really help? Your email is going to be flooded. Send an email to jim at iworkforhim.com, jim at iworkforhim.com. Your perspective on eliminating Mountain Dew, positive or negative. All right. Yesterday in our devotion time. Yes, sir. We were, Martha and I spend every morning we open up sometime within the first hour when we get up. Sometimes Martha's cranky in the morning, doesn't want to talk. Sometimes I'm cranky in the morning, don't want to talk. So sometime usually in that first hour. Is that true? Yeah. I'm cranky in the morning. Well, I don't know if you're cranky. Maybe just... You're the a, one who told me to be not quiet. As, not as approachable. Some you told mornings. me to be quiet. So now I've learned to be quiet. Now you think I'm cranky. <laughs> All right. So anyway... Anyway. The, the perspective... We do devotions. That we do devotions together. And this is something that we had a couple of friends encourage us a couple of years ago. Because Martha and I always did devotions in the morning. And we always prayed together at night. But we never did devotions together and prayed in the morning. Well, we work together 24-7, 365 now. And so, yes, you should pray for Martha. <laughs> but we do the Jesus Calling Morning and Evening by Sarah Young. Now, it's a devotional where they take Sarah Young's normal morning one and they add an evening one. And I'm pretty sure she did that. Okay, well, she they. did. Not the they is she, oh, okay. Sarah Young. So every day, every day without fail, there is a devotional that usually twists our minds sideways and whacks us upside the head and says, hey, bozo, that's what, he, that's what it's saying to me. To Martha, it's that's like, how you interpret hey, it. wonderful woman. 
Yesterday's was this, and I just think we should talk about this for a minute. Okay. All right. Now, th- when you read the Jesus Calling, you're, you're reading it from the perspective of as if Jesus is talking to you directly. As if okay. Jesus is calling. Oh, is that what that means? <laughs> All right. Is he I, using a cell phone it. or a landline? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking he doesn't need any Satellite phone. Sat phone. It's a sat phone? It's a heaven phone. Oh. My face is shining upon you, beaming out peace that transcends understanding. You are surrounded by a sea of problems, but you are face-to-face with me, your peace. As long as you focus on me, you're safe. If you gaze too long at the myriad of problems around you, you will sink under the weight of your burdens. When you start to sink, simply call, call out, help me, Jesus, and I'll lift you up. The closer you live to me, the safer you are. Circumstances around you are undulating. Love that word, undulating, like the earth during an earthquake, undulating. Circumstances around you are undulating, and there are treacherous-looking waves in the distance. Fix your eyes on me, the one who never changes. By the time those waves reach you, they will have shrunk to proportions of my design. I am always beside you, helping you face today's waves. The future is a phantom seeking to spook you laugh at the future stay close to me you know earlier this year we we learned earlier last year later last year sometime last year we just learned to focus on don't worry about tomorrow because it steals from today and when you see all the problems around you that also steals from today and those problems look huge and monstrous and overwhelming and impossible at times but yet jesus is saying hey I got those things. I got those problems. Trust me. He said, "My take my yoke upon you. My burden is easy and my yoke is light. Yes, my burden is light and my yoke is easy. One of those. Easy and light. I don't know. What's your perspective on that? Well, I, th- one of the, the, I think a, something that it made me think of, even as we were reading it yesterday, was the other devotion where um, in one of them where it talks about how when you go through a forest and there is fog all around you and the fog keeps you from seeing things necessarily clear and God, that's God's way of protecting us from to only see the path in front of us. So I see that coinciding with not being anxious about tomorrow because he gives us what's in front of us right now because that's what he wants us to focus on. Um, one of the things I love so much about um these devotionals is just the constant reminder that we need every day that reminds us that Jesus is close. He's right here. He is everything that we need and he provides, he can provide peace. And that's, you know, so many, remember all the years people would say, what do you want for Christmas? Peace on earth. You know, that's like, that's like one of the ultimate things people want is peace. But yet Jesus is our peace. And we, it's so hard for us to remember that every single day. So we have to be reminded over and over again. What I like about what that devotion just said as well is that we, when we're in over our heads that, or we're falling or we're sinking just to call out, help me, Jesus, yes. that there is power in the name of Jesus. And we need to remember that. And you've done a really good job. Last year, you did a great job when we were in those overwhelmed spots that we would just stop and we would pray. You grab my hands again. Let's pray. Because that is what we need to do. But sometimes it's just a matter of the enemy gets going all around us and tries to block out our thoughts. And we've we got to just say, 
Jesus, I need help. Because so many of us, everybody listening has had moments like that where they've just had to say, wow, I need help. And what do I do when I need help? So many of us are like, we, we, we can't even pray. But sometimes you can't pray. But the utterance of the powerful, eternal, infinite, powerful name. I said powerful twice. That's all right. It's allowed. Jesus. You were going to read one of the verses? I am. And so the other part of this devotional is that it always lists some scripture references to read, and then it has a final thought for the day to really help you bring it all together. So Philippians 4, 7 says, Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So I love it that he says, we, we're not going to understand it. It's beyond what we can understand, but it's there. You used to sing that song. You and your sisters used to sing, He is our peace. Yes. Not that you're going to sing it on the air, but that was one of those, just a reminder, this immediately comes to my head when you say that, because, of course, I can hear your voice singing yeah. it. Yeah. You, did you used to sing it with both your sisters? No, but it was a trio we sang with a friend of ours. Oh, okay. So we'll have, to, right. we'll have to do that next time we're together. Yeah, on the air. That, well, we'll practice off the air. Okay. So then the ending for the day yesterday was, don't run from me, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. And I think that's really the art of walking with Christ, is learning to draw near, recognizing that God is all around us, and taking advantage of that. So often, I think, as Christ followers, we don't take advantage of the fact that our Heavenly Father and the power of the Holy Spirit and the example of his son is all around us all the time. Yeah, so just a real quick thing. We are with ARCW yesterday, and they were saying that they give away this devotional in their office to people in their time of need. I thought yeah. that was pretty cool. I thought that was very cool. I, I love loved it. that. I loved that. We both love it. All right, well, we do. As we just really had a random list of things we wanted to talk to you guys, our loving audience, about, because there's some really cool stuff going on. But you know, one of the things that we want to just jump to, is so we just talked about devotions and boy do we think the devotions and prayer time are like super duper super califragilisticexpialidocious important yes so let's connect that to the workplace connect it to the workplace so i would encourage people to look at their day and see what their schedule looks like and and really do something about adjusting it if you're not allowing time for devotions. But I will tell you, before we were working back working together and I had an office outside of the home somewhere else that I had to be at there, you know, I went there early and read in my office. Um, that's where I got my peace and quiet. So people need to think out of the box and go, you know, is this something I can do in my office or will I go right to work and it shouldn't be, you know, that's a distracting place. Should I do it in my car or should I, you know, before I shower in the morning, whatever it is, but really look well, at yourself. Shower, and whatever it is. Oh, please make sure you have time to shower. But um, I just want to encourage people to really look at their schedule and, and make a change if they're not doing that already. Um, and, and, but I know people can just leave this on their desk, you know, have a devotional and a Bible in the corner of their desk, read it in the morning, read it at your lunch break, whatever it might be. And just According to federal law, you're entitled to a 15 minute break every two hours and a 30 minute lunch break unpaid every day. You've got time to do a devotions, check out your federal laws and see your HR department, if you feel like you're not giving, uh, being given that time. That was a nice little... Um, this is a public service Public PSA. <laughs> brought to you by I Work For Him. Good job. All right. So 
Let's talk about National Marriage Week USA.org. Yes. Okay, because this is something that for the last several years, well, I don't know if it's three or four years, we've highlighted this, and we're going to do a show on the 30th of January, half the show just talking about this with the founder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But we wanted to make sure that you guys know about this now because churches need time to get ready for this. The whole idea behind National Marriage Week USA, which is February 7th through the 14th, Oh, why the, is it February 7th through the 14th, do you well, think? I don't know. Michael? Michael? Yes? Do, do you, can you get any idea of why they would celebrate National Marriage Week USA February 7th through the 14th? I can literally think of no holidays that would, that would necessitate <laughs> uh, uh, celebrating that holiday in February. Why would they do that? <laughs> Sarah Miracle's on the line. She'd like to know why her husband don't doesn't know when Valentine's Day is. We don't celebrate that in our household. That's right. That is a made-up holiday it's by Hallmark. Chocolate. However, and the chocolate. Our companies. wives love that, Michael. Like you know, we'll make sure I remind you. I'll send you a text message so you can buy a card on the way home. All right. So National Marriage Week USA. Yes, it goes around Valentine's Day, which is yes a made-up Hallmark holiday. The best one ever. Oh, I thought Mother's Day was the best one ever. Okay, that one's the best one ever. <laughs> All of them are. All right. Anyway. But the whole point behind this is National Marriage Week USA has a ton of stuff on their on their website that will equip you and your church to be ready to celebrate marriage two Sundays in uh, February. Yes. So, or is it just one Sunday? Um, February 7th. You know what? I didn't look at my calendar, so... You'll have to take a look at that. Well, the twelfth so, we know is a Monday, so the eleventh is a Sunday. So no, it's just one. It's just one Sunday. That's right, because, because we're celebrating Day's like a Wednesday. Yeah, we're celebrating the National Marriage Week USA once again by doing the I Work for Him Cruise Your Way to a Better Marriage Retreat with twenty-one couples. Yes, traveling so across excited. the country. Yes, we are very excited. about So that. excited. All right. So um, on their website, National, National Marriage Week USA dot org. Mm-hmm. There are a ton of resources, everything to help a church or a small group or just some friends figure out a way to really um, just have fun celebrating marriage. There's there's press releases, there's church bulletin inserts, all this stuff is already all made. There's There's all kinds of things to promote it. Videos, ideas, they've got date ideas, they've got all kinds of things to help people. Yeah, no, absolutely they do. And it's it's fantastic. But I think we should talk about some of the things. Well, you've got some stuff on some other, one of their flyers. Do you want to check your stuff out first? Do you want to do my stuff well, first? Well, no, this, is, this was just to remind me that there's press releases and stuff like that. So okay. these aren't right. the statistics. So the benefit, here's some of the things they're trying to do is promote marriage. Because we need to understand, ladies and gentlemen, those of you that I mean, understand, marriage is was God's idea. And as God's idea, which means it's a good idea. Mm-hmm. It's the best idea. And marriage is meant to be the fabric of society. It's meant for a marriage is meant to be the training ground, the discipling ground for children to be able to carry on the faith of their parents. That's what this is all about. And since there's been such a huge destruction of marriage in the last 50 or 60 years, we are now seeing a culture in which it's been destroyed because of marriage, the fabric of marriage. I mean, there are the numbers are, I can't remember the numbers. Let's see, I'll get them. A huge decline in married adults from 79% in 1970 to 57% in 2013, married adults. Now, that's talking about the divorce rate has skyrocketed since then. But let's look at this. Benefits of marriage. Let's do a positive side. Oh, that sounds good. All right. Married adults live longer lives. 
have better health and greater personal happiness. That sounds really good. Now, if people were to like say, if I can guarantee, well, pre pretty much guarantee that you're going to have a longer life, better happiness. What was the other thing? Longer life, have better health and greater personal happiness. People pay a lot of money for that. And you won't have to go to a spa. You can just have marriage. Now, understand, in, in all of this, understand, we're not saying the marriage doesn't work, but we are telling you that every marriage is workable. 99.99999% of them are workable. There are some where people are just naughty and they, yeah. So one of the things, I'm sorry, do you have another statistic? I do, you share? but you go ahead if you want to well, go for that. Well, I think I just want to set this up because... When we have Sheila Weber on, and we just love her because she's very passionate you know, this about is, marriage. This is just what she just lives and breathes for. But she really helps us to make that connection between families, economics, flourishing, and marriage. So there's because they have done, they've got all the background, all this well, the like, like this research. Like this is some of the stuff marriage okay. reduces poverty. We'd have 25% less poverty today if we had the marriage rates we had in 1970. 25%. Think about what the impact of that would be on the federal budget. Only two, what? Well, let's unpack that. Is that because, like, two households have to right. maintain, they have to... And typically the single mom lives in poverty. I right. mean, in a divorce, typically the single mom is the one who loses out and the kids... Lose, I mean, financially, they lose out, and they're now living in poverty. Right. So they've taken that information and, and figured out the impact. Right. All right. Only 2%, marriage reduces poverty, only 2% chance of poverty if you finish high school, work full-time, and postpone marriage, childbearing until age 21. So you only have a 2% chance of living in poverty if you graduate from high school, work full-time, and postpone marriage and childbearing until after age 21. You have a 77% chance of living in poverty if you don't do those three things. Graduate wow. from high school, wait to get married and have a kid till after 21, and work full-time. Wow. 77% versus a 2%. Let's see. That's a, that's I think that's a pretty good deal. 75% difference. Wow. In the United States, marriage drops probability of child poverty by 82%. It drops child pro poverty. That's right. So the children don't live in poverty if they're in a married household. I'm just trying to figure out what that's really saying. Right. That's what it's saying More. is that if, if kids that are raised inside of a marriage, yes. uh, they, they're 82% less probable to be living in poverty. Wow. And, and, you know, that's a huge number. And we're talking. That's rough. That's really rough on a on a family, you know, when they're really living in poverty, according to the American standards is what we're talking about. All right. So here, here's another statistic. Healthy marriages save U.S. taxpayers money. If you're, if you're an economics person, $112 billion per year is spent for divorce and unwed childbearing. $112 billion. We could use that. I could live on less than that. I wouldn't even need all that money. That'd be great. All right, here's some other ones. Uh, let's see. Uh, teen birth rates for girls when their father leaves before they are six years old is 35%, seven times the rate for when fathers stay married. So fatherhood makes a huge impact. So when, when Because typically the kids end up staying with mom. And then all of a sudden these kids are really 
impact that boys without fathers at home are twice as likely to end up in prison. Hmm. I, I mean, that's incredible. Uh, never married Americans soared nearly fourfold, 21 million in 1970 to 77 million in 2012. Now, it's not saying they're not living together. We know they're doing that. But the impact on poverty is huge. Check it out online. Get your church involved. Get your small group involved. We've got to bring this up at our small group tomorrow night. Yes. National Marriage Week USA.org. National Marriage Week USA.org. National Marriage Week USA.org. Every church should be celebrating marriage all year long, but especially during National Marriage Week USA.org. You listen to I Work for Him together on Tuesdays with Jim and Martha as we focus on your marriage and your relationship issues and other random facts that Martha and I like to talk about. Today is, what did I say? It's a free for all Tuesday where we're talking about several things. We started off talking about our devotions, our weekly, our daily devotions that we do, Jesus Calling Morning and Evening. Then we did a little blurb on the National Marriage Week coming up February 7th through the 14th. If you missed the beginning of the show, those are important topics to hit. NationalMarriageWeekUSA.org. Get your church involved in celebrating marriage because it is the solution to the nightmares of America. All right. Now, we promised, as we promised. What? That's quite a promise. It is a promise. It's the guaranteed. It's the solutions to the, to the nightmares of America. If you want to you want to fix the problems in our society, let's fix our marriages. First of all, let's get men to love their wives like Christ loved the church. And then women will never have a problem submitting to their husband's leadership because he's loving them like Christ loved the church. And if we have husbands and wives having that kind of a marriage, families will be incredibly strong. Kids will be raised and discipled in a powerfully great environment, and our country will change. It will only take one generation to fix that. So let's mm-hmm. start it today. Well, okay, February 7th. No, we can start it today, but get ready by February 7th for National Marriage Week USA. All right, we're going to talk about adult children, raising adult children. Because here's the deal. There's a lot of them sitting at home still. we, we got to talk about those issues. But you have a book out, like you want to read something. Well, I just, I love this little book. And um, a lot of people know Stormy O'Mardian. And she has written over the years all kinds of the power of pr- the praying wife, the power of um, the praying parent, all these things. And this one is the power of praying for your adult children. Um, I remember when our kids were in their late teens, I started looking for books because I was running the bookstore at the time, looking for books on how to parent as we let our kids, as we let our kids get into adulthood, as we watch them. We did let them. We did let them because they are still alive. We brought them into this world. We could have taken them out. Yeah. Um, But as we saw them approaching adulthood, we're like, okay. You know, we read books on having toddlers. We read books on having middle schoolers. What is there for, what is the stage of letting our kids become adults? And what does that look like? And how do we parent? And And there's more books today on raising adult children than there were 15 years ago or 10, excuse me, seven or eight years ago when our kids were still living home and adults because so many more adult kids are still at home. No, because I think there's so many more parents in that stage. That's what I mean. There's so many more kids living at home that are adults. But they're not all living at home. Okay, you realize you're an adult child. I know, my parents. Sorry, Mom and Dad. Your parents parents have adult children. My parents have adult children. My parents moved 2,000 miles away to get away from their adult children. This isn't just uh, a situation of having 20-year-olds. This is all... Well, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, so let's, let's let's talk about raising our adult children... So anyway, that's why I have this book is because I was looking and I found all these different books on how to raise your 20 something or whatever. This right here is key. 
praying for them. There you go. Praying for them. And the first two prayers. Now, I'm not crazy about written prayers, but what Stormy does is she helps you to actually articulate things that we wouldn't necessarily think the about. The groanings of the spirit. <laughs> so this, the first two as, as you raise adult are, children. are specifically prayers for the parent to say, Lord, let me intercede for my adult children. And not kill Forgive them. Forgive me for all the things I've ever done wrong and help me not to live in that guilt, but help me to um, release my adult kids. It's beautiful. So even though... All uh, most of these prayers are praying for their sexual temptation, for their job situations, for their learning how to be, you know, responsible adults, for their freedom, all kinds of different things, wisdom, th- discernment, things like that. The first two prayers are the parents, the parents saying, okay, I need to relinquish this to you, Lord, put my kids at your feet. And that's, and that is a beautiful place to start. So. That's my uh, little plug for The Power of Praying for Your Adult Children, Book of Prayers. Now, she has a big, full nonfiction book, but then there's this little one that's just all the prayers that help you walk through it. And many of you may have thought, hey, you guys used to give away books on your show. We are working on a book highlight sponsor, and we should be able to be giving away books again pretty soon here. Let's hope. That would be wonderful. All right, so let's talk about this adult children But I'm thing. not giving away my prayer book. Okay, just in case you're wondering... <laughs> Martha's Sorry. not sharing today. But I All recommend right. it. So here, here's the deal. As our kids get, the whole point of raising children is that one day they will leave the nest. You should be raising your children knowing that they need to be prepared to leave the nest. They should be coming, becoming less and less dependent on you and more and more dependent on themselves and God. You should be raising them to let them go. That it should not be a process that all of a sudden shocks and surprise you as they head off to college at 18 or a tech school or they're sitting at home in your basement after they graduate from high school with no plan. That should never happen. It should never surprise you. From the time they are zero, you are preparing them to leave. Yes, and a lot of people don't like to have that conversation. No, it's a, it's a tough conversation because nobody likes to have their kids leave. I mean, I hate the fact that our kids are spread out all over the country. What did we do wrong? Um, so, but I think we should just, we want to share to God. Martha's giving me the look. We didn't do anything wrong. Our kids just. That's how life happens in America. That's what it is. That's what it is. But we miss our kids. They're of all over course. the place. All right. So, but the whole point is by the time your kids are reaching late elementary, you should be starting to let a little bit of rope, the rope you got wrapped around their not their neck, but their waist that you're controlling them with. Should be, you should be able to let that out a little bit by a little bit, but always keeping strong parameters around your kids. But by the point in time where by the time they're 13 or 14 or 15, you're starting to teach them really depth, in-depth things about money and those kinds of responsibility things. So by the time they're 18, they already know how to handle a checkbook. They already know how to make their own decisions. They know how to take care of their own car, and they're prepared to launch so you've got two, two. You've got their physical needs: learning how to do laundry, learning how to do things like to that, cook. to 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 clean. That's right, to, to clean. Take care of their belongings. To cook. To cook. Those kinds of things. Cooking and cleaning. And then you have like the decision making, the intellectual side. And I think one of the the most, I was going to say most wisest, but that would be really inappropriate to or the wrong English, but. A really wise thing that someone said to us was, if you let your kids fail in the little things while they're still under your roof, then they learn some of those lessons before they go out and they fail big time. 
it is and that was that's a that was a good example for us i mean that i mean i love that somebody told us that oh yeah and, and it was not just ladies and gentlemen don't don't miss out on the fact that this was hard letting our kids grow up and grow out and we're young yet i mean we have a lot of friends that have little kids at home still and our kids are grown and gone and all over the country but what's important is that we trained up our kids to make sure they were ready to graduate from high school they had a car that they helped take care of they they were saving up money for college so they could get through college uh, and they went to a college that we all knew as a family they could afford and get out debt free and that is so important people i am seeing countless young adults get out of college with hundred thousand hundred and fifty thousand dollars in debt holy smokes it is absolutely devastating and it's just unbelievable but i think for us the toughest spot was when our kids started dating and how do you involve your lives in your kids lives when they're you know uh, paddling a uh, treading water in the waves of relationships because it's a rocky time it is and i think that um you know there's no one way to handle it and i think that's a, another big parenting lesson overall is that every kid is different every um personality you know, like if you have five kids they're all different i'm pretty sure the people that have five kids know that well if you have two kids they're different yes for sure and they're not necessarily like you but a lot of times if you have two kids one is like one of you and one is like the other of you but not always no not always so um so anyway the whole dating yeah. you know i like what i was going to say is that there's not one perfect way to do it and i don't think anybody's ever done it perfectly but you gotta have a plan but you should have a plan. You have a plan. And how do you get yourself involved in the relationship to help them make good decisions, but not mandate, not control it so much that they are uh, de uh, dependent on you for, uh, for having a relationship? So one of the things um, that I think that we would have probably gone back and started sooner was We would have just... never let our kids date. <laughs> so they'd still be living at home. No. But I thought that was the whole point. Oh, get rid of them. That's right. That's right. I was just I kidding. Get rid of them. Um, but w starting having the conversations at home with the kids sooner about what does dating look like, wh what's appropriate, um, when you start to have an interest in somebody at whatever age we discuss, um, what are our what are our expectations? Our standards. And our standards and our boundaries. and But just having more of that conversation, I think for us, we just, it wasn't that we didn't know it was coming. We just never were really in, and said, we need to be start talking about this. And I, I know the families today are needing to talk about it even sooner. Well, especially about we the sex ever. outside of marriage conversation. I mean, but, and you can't just tell your kids, well, you shouldn't have sex outside of marriage. You tell them why. I mean, we, Martha and I mentor couples from with all kinds of ages and those that had sex before marriage still deal with the guilt and some of the shame that comes along with that stuff you, you got to talk about that stuff ahead of time all right so these kids we're raising them to let them go and in relationships we need to this is something that was very tough for me another public service announcement if you can't keep your mouth shut when your kids don't want your advice walk into the other room Mm. don't share your advice unless they really want it if they say no i don't want to hear it don't share it anyway especially at the top of your voice i made that mistake do you think that that depends a little bit on their age no i don't think you should ever yell about it oh 
That's not, what I said at the top okay. of your voice. But you said talked about walking well, away. Well, you know, we just we have to be an we have to move from being a parent to be an advocate to be an advice giver. We're always parent, but you know, eventually the goal is in adulthood where our kids are our yes, they're still our kids, but that we're a friend to them. We're an advisor, not we're their parent. Uh, and I oh, think oh my word, that makes me think of the video you're going to show on the marriage cruise. Which one? The mom and the ice cream. All three of my kids hate me right now. This is a woman sitting in front of an ice cream bucket of vanilla ice cream. <laughs> and as she's talking about how her kids eating hate her, the whole thing. she's like, I don't care. I'm not their friend. I'm their parent. And and she's eating this ice cream bucket of, of, of vanilla ice cream. Then she starts adding in chocolate chips as she's still talking. And at the end, she dumps in her wine into this. And it was it's very like, funny. they'll get over it. They'll get, they'll get. So she was coping, but she knew that she needed to stay strong. Yeah. And, it, and not be their friend at this stage in their if life. If you're spending your life trying to be friends with your kids and they need your direction, just just go ahead and let them hate you for a while. It's okay. Mm. Every child hates their parents for a little while, to a certain extent, some way. But eventually, I don't know, eventually they get over it. But As long as you're communicating that you love them. Yeah, you got to tell them they love them. Hey, I love you. That's why I'm disciplining you. That's the That's whole right. idea. All right, you're listening to I Work For Him together on Tuesdays with Jim and Martha Brangenberg as we talk about marriage and relationship issues. Why do we do that? We do that because if your marriage and your relationship is is running on full octane, your marriage is a light to the world all around you. Into the, It's a light to your neighbors. It's a light to your church community. It's a light to the people that you work with every day. Marriage was meant to be one of the ways that God communicates his love to our society. And so it's important that we work on it. And so, yes, it's important we talk about our faith and our work and, and bringing our faith to our work. But it's really important that our marriages are strong because your faith can be really strong at work. And if all of a sudden your marriage is going downhill, people are like, well, there's a disconnect there. Now, it's not always connected totally, but we need to be aware. We need to be working our marriages. If you're out there listening to us and you're married, are you working on it? What does that mean? Are you working on it? If you don't know what it means, email us. Jim and I work for him.com. We'll tell you what it means to work on your marriage. But if you're not praying with your spouse, please start today. What do you pray about? Well, pray for your kids. Pray for your parents. Pray for each other. I mean, if you're not spending 15 minutes every day talking, start today. If you don't have a date night, start this week. You know, if you'll really start to work on communicating things, it's so important. All right, we're talking about raising adult kids. So Martha we, wanted to talk about some positive things because she said I got negative. No, no, no. I just yes, I yes, mean, yes. You okay, did. but yes, <laughs> I did say that there are great things about having adult children as well. And but what I when wanted you get older, to they say help you to with that, around the house. Oh, what I wanted to say to what you just said though yes. was being a great marriage example to your adult children. Yes, they need to see how it works. They need yes. to be encouraged that it's worth it. Marriage is worth it. It is. It's absolutely amazing. You know, I think as we're talking about relationships, we need to be in a position where our kids like us enough to share their problems when they're having them. And if we're constantly berating them and nagging them, they're not going to come to us for their issues. Now, that's not, and we need to be an example of forgiveness and repentance to them. But we just, you know, that relationship is really important. Yeah. So one of the things I think of um, just as a kind of a hint or a help in that area is figure out where and in what circumstances your children talk the best and then 
that's where you should be building your relationship. Yeah, Martha and I found out in our early 40s, when our kids were in their teenage years, that we needed to be available most of the time from 10 to 11 o'clock at night, because that is when our kids wanted to talk. Yep. They would finally were winding down for the day or, you know, finishing up whatever they had done for the day, and then they were kind of wrapping up mentally and emotionally. Yep. And, and they'd talk. And they'd be wide open. I was just, it was an amazing thing. we would not be wide awake. (laughs) We'd sometimes have to kick them out because we had to get up early, but it was important to note. But here's the deal. Many of you are allowing your kids to live at home well past their graduation from college years. And some of that's out of dire necessity because they have hundreds of thousands of dollars of the college debt. But sometimes it's because you don't want them to leave. And so you're making it easy for them to stay. We have to look at what's in their best interest. It is in the interest of all of our children for them to be set free and allowed to go out there and experience life on their own. Now, there are, there are kid exceptions to this, but for the most part, your child needs to grow up and be an adult. And if they're living in your home and they're not paying rent and they're out of, they're out of college, I love, we made a deal with our kids. If they were in school, they could stay at home as long as they were in school for their four-year degree. We didn't offer that for their master's degree and doctorate degree because that's just a scam but we said as long as you're in full-time in school you can stay at home but when they were done we said okay there's rent to be paid because you're gonna have to pay to live somewhere you're gonna go out and get a job you might as well pay rent that's a good idea because our kids need to start to learn responsibility right most definitely so um and you know it's those times when you look back on young adulthood for ourselves poverty stricken years poverty stricken years so many people they light up when they start to talk about those years because you know what when you had next to nothing you had to be more creative and and you know use some ingenuity and come up with good ideas on on how to entertain or how to make a dinner out of soda crackers and hot water or whatever you had, you know, tea bags and oatmeal. Ketchup. You added the ketchup to the uh, hot water. See, yeah. Okay. But, but here's the deal. Many of you are enabling your children to stay at home and you say, well, I'll just have them help with chores. But then they never get their chores done. Now, it doesn't work. Charge them rent. Get them to do chores too because they're going to go out and spend rent. A single bedroom apartment today anywhere in the country goes from 700 to to $1,000 a month. You know, you don't have to charge them all that. But get them used to the fact of being responsible. And if they're using your food and using your electricity and using your water and using your space that you're paying for on a monthly basis, there's no reason that an adult child shouldn't earn their keep. And if they're fully capable, they should have a full-time job or two part-time jobs. They should, there's no way. I and mean, there are jobs everywhere in this country. They're not always the jobs they want, but there are jobs everywhere. Well, and that's what I was just thinking about was the work part of it. Because part work. of part of, well, but no, but it's be even more than that. It's this whole I work for him concept is is having the conversation about what work is, why we work, um, and then realizing that they're if they're gonna go work for somebody else, you it's your job to help equip them for that, to learn how to have a conversation with other adults, to res- be respectful, to be timely, to dress appropriately, you know, all those things. Where are they going to get that? They need to get that coaching 
from those that they respect. And they need to understand that their workplace is a mission field no matter what they're doing. Whether they have to go out and work at a local burger joint or you know, work a night shift at UPS or whatever it may be, you know, get a, tell them to get a job. Do not allow them to stay at home and not work because you're not doing anything but enabling them. Yes, it allows you to have complete influence and control over your child, but that's not what's good for them. And there's, I, we see so many people do this and it's, it's not healthy, but you also need to understand that when your kids do grow up and leave the house, you're going to have less influence over them and you have to let them determine how much of their life they let you into. It's, it's give and take. That's part of being a parent. You have to let go. L-E-T-S-G-O. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, there's no football. <laughs> something. Let go. Let, let go. it go. L-E-T- that would be the... L-E-T-G-O. L-E-T space G-O. Let it go. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. So it's not like the football thing. Okay. No, nope, uh, But And the other thing is when your kids are adults and they're graduating from college, they all of a sudden have adult kind of conflict. You don't need to add extra conflict at home because they want their freedom, but they don't have their freedom. <laughs> That's why they need to go. They need to go. Yeah, sometimes they get to work out things that we don't need to know about. You know, when they're just trying to figure out, okay, I said something stupid. I'm going to have to live with those consequences, you know, and let these kids grow up, but get, make, help them get involved in a great church, make recommendations, but you can't make, they have to make their faith their own. They've got to make their decisions their own. So let me add to that. If you work with people that you know, don't have parents in their life, you're working with some people younger than you, use this same mentality with them, you know, encourage them show them how to have respect, show them what it means to go to work on time and have good work ethics and um, to appreciate their work and their job and the skills that they have. Because there are a lot of young people, especially that don't have that um, mentorship in their life by anyone, whether it's parents or, um, you know, somebody else in their life. So take that opportunity when you're at work to look around and see who maybe you can plug into that isn't getting that, getting that fed anywhere. Well, there's so many people younger than you, no matter how old you are, younger than you that don't have families, don't have an active family, don't have somebody feeding them with good advice. We talked about it last week with Todd Hopkins from CBMC about the Young Professionals Group. We need to be mentoring the next generations. Because so many young people today don't have parents that are active in their lives or they're not really healthily active in their lives. They don't have grandparents. So you've got a role that you can fill in the lives of your neighbors, your coworkers, your, your employees that maybe somebody else isn't filling that role. But these young people need to know how to be independent because the future of our country, the future of the church lies on the shoulders of these young people. They need to know how to be independent and make mistakes and learn from their mistakes and move on. And raising adult children is frustrating. It's angering. And sometimes you're hurt. But you know what? We have, we've come to understand oh, that so side. much about that. It has nothing to do with us. Because think back to when we were in our 20s. Were we thinking about how our decision was going to affect our parents? Unfortunately not. No, we weren't. And we were pretty nice people. But we still, our focus was on what are we going to do? <laughs> it was all about you us. You know, so you got to put that in perspective and teach them there's a bigger world and we're affecting everybody. And the coolest thing about adult children, when they get married, they bring grandchildren and grandchildren <laughs> are awesome. Oh my goodness. We got three grandkids. They're awesome. You have got to get some. They're incredible. Don't rush it though. All right. <laughs> 
Great conversation today, baby. That was a lot of fun. Lots of things we covered, yes. but we're done with Together on Tuesday. For another we're, we're, week. Yeah, we've run out of time. It's incredible. All right, make sure you check us out online at iworkforhim.com. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. The message is simple and clear. We as Christ followers are called to bring freedom to the masses through our interaction with them in our workplaces. Our work is a calling and our workplace is no accident. Say it along with me. I'm a Christ follower and I, I work, work for, for him. him.